Welcome to Chan's The Man Apologetics. I'm your host, Chan Heron, where I discuss doctrine, apologetics, behavior, the Christian worldview, and sometimes just tell stories. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode with Dr. Randall Lord on Chan's Demand Apologetics. Uh, he keeps coming back um, for more, I guess. Uh, he's a good man coming in the lion's den every time. And so, yeah. Rand- Randy, welcome back again. Oh, thank you, Chad. Uh, I don't mind uh, entering the lion's den. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enjoy you coming in. I have gotten some really good um, feedback uh, from some of the people that have listened to um, our uh, our episodes thus far. And uh, so that's that's really good news. It sounds like that um, this is this type of conversation is definitely warranted. So if you haven't listened to the other podcast that Randy and I do, I challenge you to go back and and look at it. Well, this evening we're going to discuss um, the fine tuning of the universe and the design argument. For my audience sake, let me just see what we let you know what we're talking about here. So physicists have understood that there are certain quantities and constants that if you move them around or you change the the um, constants and quantities in one direction or the other, even just a, a tiny bit, then life as we know it anywhere in the universe doesn't exist. And some of the um, different uh, quantities and, and, and constants would be something like the expansion rate of the universe, the gravitational force. And the argument that's put forth is that it is called this. Uh, premise one, the fine tuning in the universe is due to either necessity, chance, or design. Premise two, it is not due to necessity or chance. And then three, it is therefore due to design. So I've laid this out for Dr. Lord, and we are going to hear um, some of his thoughts on that. So, Randy, what are your thoughts on this argument? Well, first of all, your syllogism is at least, I guess, cogent or coherent. Uh, Essentially what you're saying is, well, um, X can only be created by conditions one, two, or three. It's not one or two, so therefore it's got to be three. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. That is logically consistent. Yep. <laughs> of course, I have a problem <laughs> with uh, whether or not uh, this is true. Um, the, the idea that the universe is not... necessary is, is probably where we'll have the biggest argument. Uh, in order to say that something is necessary, then it has to exist. For example, if you're going to say, um, I have a baseball bat, but baseball bats can't exist unless there's wood to make them from. So the wood is the thing that is necessary, right? Okay. I mean, 
mean, without the wood, we couldn't have a baseball bat. Of course, I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> right. you know, back in the old days when, when baseball bats were made of wood. Of course, <laughs> now they're aluminum, all kinds of other things. But, but for the part of the, for the, for this analogy to work, uh, I'd say, yeah, uh, wood has to exist in order for there to be a bat. Um, so the wood is what's necessary. The the bat is what we would call being contingent upon something prior to it. Okay. And uh, the problem with the universe, though, is we don't know what, if anything, existed prior to it. it does the universe have a beginning? Did it, did it, it? Was there a time when it didn't exist? Because, you know, like, for example, with the baseball bat, there was a time when it did not exist. And we turned a piece of wood in, or lumber into a piece into a bat. So we can say that yeah, there was a time when bats didn't exist. But can we say the same thing about the universe? Uh, I'm not so sure that we can. So, so I'm saying is I'm not sure that we we can say that the the universe is contingent upon anything. It may have always existed. I mean, there's no point in time when it didn't, as far as we know. I mean, there's there's some debate going on in cosmology right now about, you know, does, does time exist before the Big Bang? Uh, you know, some of those things. And and uh, honestly, I, I'm not an expert in those areas of cosmology, even though I'm somewhat interested. I try to keep up with the literature a little bit on, on that and what the latest arguments are. But there's some really interesting arguments going on about that very thing right now. Right. So I, to say that uh, I'm going to assert that it's uh, one, two, two or three of the things that you you listed, I'm, I'm not sure we're really in a position to say with any certainty which of those things could be true. Okay, so if I understand you right, do you agree with the physicists that seem to indicate um, that they, there are those certain quantities and con oh, those, the values like uh, yes. the universal constants and all those oh yeah yeah uh, it, well I would say if those things were different the universe would certainly be very different right but I'm not certain that we know we don't have any other universes to compare our universe to just to know whether or not those constants existed or those limitations existed prior to the Big Bang, if, if there is such a thing. Um, we don't know if you can fiddle with the knobs on the fine-tuning hmm. instrument to change them. All that's completely unknown. Okay, but so... yeah, I would agree that if you changed it, yeah, it would really drastically alter the, the nature of the universe. And I'm not certain that life, at least not as we know it, could even exist under those Okay, so uh, I think we're in agreement that the fine-tuning there is a, a, a scientific staple. What what the, the person who's progressing this argument is saying is that where the fine-tuning, why is it the way it is? And some would say it's necessity. It had to be this way. But m my question would be, well, you know, couldn't it, couldn't the law of gravity be, have a different uh, value? Couldn't the, uh, the strong force, the weak force, the uh, uh, expansion rate, all those be, be different. And, and you're right. I don't, 
I don't know if we would have uh, conscious life like we have today on those, but it just seems to me that there's no necessity that they had to be those way that way. And I think that's what the argument is. It could have been different. Um, Well, right. The the idea that it could have been different is uh, an interesting concept to ponder, but I don't know that we know that. Um, we don't know if it could have been different. Right, because we don't have a... Because we don't have anything to compare it to. Right. However, when you put the the number of life-prohibiting universes out there, it seems much more reasonable to conclude that the chances of getting a life-permitting universe is far less probable than a life-prohibiting universe universe and i think that's what the the scientists are saying that these values are so finely tuned that it just seems like someone monkeyed with the the dials if you will because of the probability of getting a life prohibiting universe far outweighs the life permitting universe i understand what you're saying but i have the problem with using chance or probability when we're talking about this because we don't know what those probabilities are at all so i i, I don't mean to, to be giving you a cop out but i just say honestly i i don't know that we know that okay that we can't we can't say that all right we can't say that it's so finely tuned it could, you know that um and that could have been we don't know that it could have been any different we, that's just too big of an an unknown there to really argue about. Do you think that those three options that I've I've presented are are the only three, or do you think there could be others? Well, one of yours was, of course, design. I I don't know. That would imply that there is a mind that exists separate from a body, because it would have to exist before the universe existed. Yes, that is exactly what it implies. <laughs> I don't know that we have any examples of minds existing independent of the physical body. Right. So we, I don't know that we can, we can say that. Well, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm trying to assert it or if I'm inferring from effect to cause. That's what I'm trying to be careful to do. I think we can make an inference and not... Um, and not an, an assertion that I know with a hundred percent certainty. Um, but we do know that information seems to come from a mind. Chance doesn't cause anything. It's more of a description we use for mathematical, you know, right. pro- probabilities. So chance doesn't cause right. anything. Um, but I think that, I mean, you're exactly right. It does. This argument does imply that there is a mind behind it, and so the theistic view would say that before space and time and matter began, there had to be something that was outside space, time, and matter. And and you and I talked about that before. Yeah, I understand. I understand your your, um, your your idea there. But what I'm saying is, we don't we we don't have any examples of that other than the thing that you're trying to present. Uh, that minds exist independent of, of, uh, of bodies. So I, I don't know that I can 
say that divine could have been one of those things. Um, so that would leave us back uh, with just the, the first two that would be um, necessary or by chance. And I don't know that, <laughs> that chance can be a cause of anything. So that only following you know your same syllogism back, I'm I'm, I'm left with necessary. Okay, so you <laughs> would you would take the position that the fine tuning would be necessarily it necessarily has to exist or the i, I sorry i i, I said that the three, if those were the three possibilities i'd say then I'd have, i'm left i've excluded two in that so therefore i'm left with one okay so now let me be clear that i'm talking about just the fine tuning the fine tuning is due to necessity chance or design so the fine-tuning examples would you would say those constants and quantities are necessary they just had to be there because if they weren't what they are we wouldn't be here to observe it anyway you you well, that part that part that's part true, true. The, because if those, any of those were different the universe would be so incredibly different at least you and i certainly wouldn't be here right to, right to be talking about it and so, okay, so you've narrowed it down. But the question, of course, that brings up is could life exist uh, with some different parameters on those values? I don't know. Okay. But your position would be you would take the the, the necessity uh, option. Is that correct? I would have to do the universe as necessary. Yes. Okay. And what, I'm just curious as to, you're just not sure about it, but that seems to be the most plausible from your standpoint. Is that right? Well, you're really presenting me with two things. You'd say, is the universe necessary or is fine-tuning of the universe necessary? Those are really two different questions. Okay, what um, I'm, what I'm, because the argument is the fine-tuning of the universe is due to chance, necessity, or design. So I'm... Okay, I'm okay. I'm strictly talking uh, about the fine-tuning, not the universe. Okay. I would say for this universe, it, it appears to be necessary, yeah. Okay. So you would take the necessity uh, position. Right. Um, and the, the your, your reasoning for this would be if, the, if they were different, then there's no way we could even observe what it would be like. Correct. Okay. The universe that we that we see right now could not exist and therefore we couldn't be observing it okay okay that's uh that's fair enough the um only thing that i the, the problem that i have with the the necessity one was why why think that those values are necessarily because we're not just talking about one or two they all work together you know and right why are all those working together precisely those values is I'm trying to work out as to why I would say that those values would have to be necessary instead of contingent unless unless there is a designer who puts them there because there's a purpose in mind and that would be for sentient life I understand that but to me that becomes circular because you're 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 asserting that there is a mind you're, you're 
trying to prove God by saying, well, God existed and therefore he created the world that we see and there, and, and the world that we see proves that there's God. So to me, that seems circular. That doesn't prove anything, I, you know, uh, to me. Okay. So you think I'm starting with God instead yes, of... I do. Okay. You're starting with the mind and <laughs> saying that that mind wants a universe to exist and therefore he had, he created or she whatever created uh, all these values to allow the type of life that we see now to exist <laughs> so yeah to me you're starting with god and and ending with it so to me that seems circular okay um how about this analogy the the there's one analogy that goes uh suppose that a person was sentenced to death of uh, a, of a firing squad, and there were going to be twenty uh, riflemen who uh, were highly trained, and um, they the guard gave the the countdown three, two, one, fire, and then all twenty marksmen they fired, and they missed, and the the person who was supposed to be shot at couldn't believe that they had all missed and then because these are the best these are the best uh marksmen out there and so the the person uh who gave the order uh, gave another command to for them to reload and they uh fired again and they missed again now the the analogy goes something like this because these guys are highly trained and they missed twice it would seem that they missed on purpose. This seems that when you look at the fine tuning carefully and you look at the values and the incomprehensible probability of those, like I, I was looking today and I think the, um, the expansion rate, if it was off by one part and one to the times 10 to the 60th power, something like that it is just, it is so minuscule that that kind of, I would say then cosmologists, astronomers and cosmologists should be amongst the most religious people in existence, and they're not. You have to ask yourself, why is that? Okay. They're the most, they're the most familiar with those numbers and, and what it means. Certainly better than I am, even. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, and yet, they're by far, they're, they're, they're not theists. Okay. Now I know some of them are, but a few, yeah. yeah, but you're going to find that there are some exceptions in any group. Right. Right. So do you think, do you think that the argument lacks validity or do you think, or you just don't think it's persuasive? I don't think it's persuasive. You don't think it's persuasive at all. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Because it's relying on too much unknown. Okay. And if um, those, if that was coupled with, I know the the fine tuning of cosmology, they kind of go together because we're talking with the uh, beginning of the universe, and the argument goes that the the fine tuning began when physics began, which, um, well, physics is, is more of a descriptive term once we discovered how the universe worked, but that those those numbers were existent at the Big Bang. 
and um, so yeah, they're well, con- connected. We don't really we don't really know uh, if they if they became emergent at the Big Bang or if the if those constants were. Uh, it's difficult to talk about that. It, it really is because um, it, it, the science and the physics does become uh, it breaks down the closer and closer you get back to the, yeah. the beginning of the universe. Oh yeah, um, I mean if you want to call it a mystery and you enjoy mysteries and all that, that's definitely the origin of the universe is definitely one of those. We, we we're still learning so much about what did happen yeah. uh, that it's, it's difficult to argue that therefore it proves God. You know, I, I can't go there. It, 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 yeah. um, for example, just this uh, past week I saw some information that um, the James Webb Telescope yeah. spotted uh, some galaxies that we should not be able to see. They're so far away that light should not have been able to travel to us from that distance in the time that the universe has existed. And it's really making us rethink the entire Big Bang scenario. So we're going to find out some a lot of new stuff, but um, to be basing your argument on limited information like that, I think is a mistake. Okay. Um, yeah, I did hear something about that because, um, you know, the red shift, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated right. by how Edwin Hubble noticed that. But from what I understand, the red shift from the James Webb telescope is still there, but the wavelengths have been stretched out so far now that they're infrared, that they can only, that they're infrared waves. But uh, did, have you seen those pictures from the James Webb telescope? Yeah, they're, they're pretty amazing, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> they, they really are amazing. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to, the discoveries from that um, spacecraft are going to completely revolutionize our understanding of, of the universe and how it began and how, how it works. Um, there In was... the same way that, you know, there was a time when the when everybody on Earth thought the entire universe was the Milky Way galaxy. We had no idea there were others. Right. Yeah, I think you got a great point. And that's one thing I love about, you know, science is it's just fascinating. I I was just enthralled by the those James Webb telescopes. I mean, I've pulled up some of the Hubble Space Telescope pictures. They're pretty amazing too, but the James Webb ones were pretty were pretty amazing. Um there's one thing you said earlier, and I, I just am trying to seek clarification on this. Um, do you hold that the universe is uh, has always been here, or do you think that the universe did have a beginning? Based on some of the information I'm starting to see now, I'm not certain that I, we can say that it had a beginning. I mean, there is the idea that it that the, the Big Bang came from a singularity and that there was nothing before that. Um, we're starting to see some information that that might not be true. Okay, so that would... <laughs> I'm saying I don't know enough. I can't pin down, uh, you know, based on the current data uh, as to which of those two scenarios is, is true. 
Okay, so you know, ten years ago, I would have said it, it began as a singularity, but I'm starting to see a lot of information now that's starting to argue that eh, it might not be. That might not be true. Okay, have you ever seen the 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 philosophical argument that is offered about the impossibility of of crossing an uh, an actual infinite? I don't think so. Okay, you have that'll be. I don't want to spring that on you here. That'd be something that we could we could talk about uh, uh, for another time. Um, sure, send me, send me a link to do it if you can, so yeah. I can research it a little bit. And uh, uh, but I don't think I, I'm familiar with what you're talking. About. Yeah, it came from the Muslim scholar philosopher Al Ghazali, who basically argued that in in it is impossible to have an actual infinite number of of things in, in the in the real world so what, that kind of, kind of gets back to hilbert's hotel yes yes idea. yes uh-huh. exactly hilbert's hotel is the thought experiment that goes along with that and so what al ghazali right. does is he argues backwards that if the universe had a, uh, has always been here that you could go back in time to yesterday and the day before and the day before and eventually go go back and if that's the case, then you shouldn't ever have arrived to today. But today right. is here, and so right. that means that you did not. We did not cross an actual infinite number of historical events, and so the universe had to have an edge back there. That's kind of how the philosophical argument oh, goes. Right, right. I'm so, slightly familiar with that argument. I remember. Back in high school, some someone brought up a similar argument that um, if you drop a ball, you know, say from three feet up, yep. and there is uh, with the infinity rule, it, it never hits the floor because you can always divide the distance by half. Right. And if there's, you know, if you keep dividing it by half, how close it is to the floor, it can never arrive because you could go on for infinity. Right. Right. <laughs> And then, so what? What Al Ghazali would makes a distinction here is a a potential infinite, infinite, and an actual infinite. And the potential infinite would be that is what is what we learned in calculus. You know, a, a limit. So it's approaching uh, a limit. But anyway, that could be something we could talk about another time. But yeah, Hilbert's Hotel is a fun little uh, way that they show that. Um, when you when you start making calculations with infinite it runs it leads to absurdities and uh-huh, um right. it, I'm, I'm slightly familiar with with that um I'm, of course i'm not a mathematician so <laughs> I, I, uh you know <laughs> it, but it, it's an interesting thought experiment so yeah it it is it is a it is a good one um well randy we're we are approaching our our time limit today and and um uh, I appreciate your thoughts on the design argument, and I hope that our my listeners will have heard both sides presented here. We'll have weighed the arguments um, from the fine tuning and the design, and from both sides, and do some more investigation on their own. And um, that don't take my word for it; yeah. investigate it for yourself. Absolutely, and I think that's what our ultimate goal has been, to present both sides fairly and uh, give each other a little bit of pushback and al- allow the, the individuals to, you know, 
search it out for themselves. So, again, I appreciate you coming on. So we'll have to do it again. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you on another episode of Chan's the Man Apologetics.